Ah, big group this morning. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Doug McGill. I run the Rochester Meditation Center, uh, 90 minutes south of here. And I've been coming to Common Ground for a good long time, maybe nine years, ten years now. And every once in a while I get the great honor and pleasure of coming up and giving a Dhamma talk. Thanks a lot for having me. So, I bought this bag of coffee beans at Caribou the other day. It's called Real Inspiration. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll get an idea for a talk here. <laughs> and um, so, I don't know if you can see it, but of course, that, that you could probably spot that that's a, a light bulb there. And then you, you might see these little spikes coming out of the light bulb that look like the light bulb is shining. <clears throat> and then I looked at it a little bit closer, and in fact, the little little beams coming off of the light bulb are actually words. They're written in really tiny, almost microscopically small script. So it's like a little secret message <laughs> from the sun. So I thought, okay, I'll read it and see, you know, if I can get some real inspiration. So it says, the sun is brighter, your eyes a little wider. With every sip, your mind goes somewhere. <laughs> your heart wants to follow. Very Dhamma. So I think it's very true. I think that's very accurate. So what I'd like to do is to actually point out the, uh, uh, the, the, the movement that's described in this little koan. Um, that you know, with every sip, your mind goes somewhere. That there's there's some motion in there that's in, that's actually described. There's a movement, and for my the theme of my talk this morning, I, I want the theme to be stillness, as contrasted to the motion that's described in that little uh, inspiration caribou inspiration. So we've got two things. There's the motion that's described, but there's also the question, can there be stillness? <clears throat> so actually the, the real inspiration for my talk then would not be the coffee beans, but it would be um, the Ten Recollections which is a Theravadan teaching um, that highlights the positive role that thought and memory can play in training the mind. So the idea then is that just by recollecting, by bringing up um, thoughts, that there is actually a skillful way to bring up thoughts and to use thoughts 
in meditation that inclines the mind and heart towards liberation. And that's what the teaching of the Ten Recollections is about. It's how to use the mind skillfully to quiet the mind towards stillness. There's a paradox implied. And there's a paradox that really runs through this whole talk. You might ask yourself right now, is there a kind of motion in your life that actually has stillness in it? And is there a stillness in your life that has motion in it? So the Ten Recollections includes the, um, the Three Refuges, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, which most of us are familiar with here, I think. Um, there's includes recollections of virtue, generosity, death. And uh, the last recollection that is taught by the Buddha that inclines the mind towards the liberating states of, of mind is the recollection of stillness. And that's what I'd like to use as my true inspiration for the talk this morning. And I'd like to maybe invite us on this Sunday morning, this beautiful Sunday morning, sunny um, Sunday morning, where we've been practicing stillness a good 30 minutes, um, to use this talk and the images and the ideas drawn from the teachings in this talk to see if you can um, recollect stillness in a way that leads you to this stillness. The stillness that has motion, the stillness that has motion in it. So words are an intrusion in a sense when you're talking about stillness, but not really. Uh, I think sometimes we can get pretty hung up, like, am I still enough? Oh, I'm not still enough. Must not be a very good meditation because I'm not too still right now. Mind is moving. That's not good. Bad meditator, bad meditator. <laughs> hey, no. We're talking about a stillness that could care less whether the mind is moving or not. And it's way beyond, the stillness that we're talking about this morning is way beyond the stillness that you get after a good sit. From the, from the vantage point of the stillness we're talking about, the stillness you get from a good sit is pretty indistinguishable from mind motion. It's all the same. The stillness that we're talking about is the stillness that knows the stillness of a good sit. And if there's a stillness that knows the stillness of a good sit, that knowing is a lot stiller than that stillness, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> there's a a quote which I'll, I'll bring to mind. I, I can't offer it word for word, but there's a quote from Ajahn Chah, the wonderful Thai forest meditation teacher, that he actually says that true stillness is found at the place of agitation. 
That's where you find it. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So in other words, don't run away from that agitation. Like, you know, go to it. Be with it. That's where you find the real stillness. So I'd like to offer three images from the Buddhist teachings that each one of which conveys, I think, if, if, if it works, it conveys the, the sense, the flavor of this stillness that we're talking about, the stillness that has motion in it. And then the question is, if there's motion in that stillness, what is that thing that's moving? That's an interesting question to ask. And so I'll mention these three images, each one of which comes with a little story. And a good thing to keep in mind, I think, um, as, we, as we take in these images, these teachings, is <coughs> um, to understand that the stillness that's being talk, talked about here is in no way a stillness that's created. In no way is this stillness created. In other words, it's not created by us coming to common ground on a Sunday morning and folding ourselves into a certain position and doing certain things with our mind and body in order to create stillness. That's profoundly wrong. What this stillness is being talked about is a stillness that is recognized as already existing. Not that we create it, but that we recognize it. In other words, it's something true and already existing right here. And so the things we do which are all good and skillful things, coming to common ground and, and being with each other and, and um, doing these uh, trainings with our mind and body are, are trainings for recognizing, not for creating, if you will. And I think these stories are actually quite good at allowing us that moment of recognition, that art often imparts. So the first, the first little story then is, comes from Ajahn Chah. In one of the last teachings of his life, he was really quite, quite close to, um, he, he actually spent his last eight or nine years pretty much incommunicado. He got a stroke, he had a stroke and wasn't able to communicate. <coughs> Um, so shortly before he, he'd had that stroke, he, um, he gave this teaching, um, where he asked a group of students, um, at the Dhamma Hall to raise their hand if they had ever seen still water. And of course, most people raised their hand. And then he asked, how many of you have seen flowing water? And of course, just about everybody had raised, raised, did raise their hand. And then he said, how many of you have seen 
still flowing water. And that didn't get quite as many hands up, but have you guys seen still flowing water? Have you had the pleasure and the miracle of seeing still flowing water? <coughs> Where, like, let's say a mountain stream and there's a nice sandy bed and there's not rocks around to disturb the water and it really looks like, you look at it and you can see straight to the bottom without any distortions or impediments, so it really looks like a pool of water. But if you put your finger in it, it creates a little chevron behind the, the finger. It's moving. And Ajahn Chah went on in his teachings to say, that's an image of the mind. That's the human mind. It's still flowing water. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm trying to picture what would happen if I put a finger in my mind. <laughs> Maybe that's meditation. I don't know. But I do know this, that we generally wouldn't recognize that as the mind. We generally would recognize a very tumultuous um, rapids, you know, shushing down a mountainside with craggy rocks and at a very steep incline of the, the type that people kayak down and, you know, risk their lives and the water's churning and... and and spraying, and I think most of us would recognize that as our mind, yeah? That would be more more like our mind, usually. Now, the, the mistake we make there is that we are just, and it's a very profound mistake, actually. Um, it's we're, we're not, we're identifying with that, the stream of objects that are constantly coming up within our mind. And that's what we think we are, because everything that comes up in our mind seems so tangible and so real. You know, and so in our face, so to speak, and they have quality. Everything, you know, the things that we experience have qualities, and and they're in motion, and that seem they seem so indisputable and so real. And the mind then says, "Oh, that's the mind. Must be. What else is there? What else can be noticed? Well, what can be noticed is that which notices, and that's the whole game." Because there's really, if you think about it, there's only two things that ever happen in our life. One is experience, and the other is noticing experience. And we miss the noticing of experience. And we live totally in experience. And that's our, that's our suffering. That is our suffering. Whereas we could uh, cultivate the habit of Noticing that as all this experience goes by, there's actually a stillness that's always present and always noticing all the happenings. And all the Buddhist teachings, and for my money, all the great spiritual teachings ever are all about reminding us to recollect that stillness that knows. That's spirituality. It's not easy. Um, it's simple, but it's not easy. And part of it, of course, is doing it and noticing. And there's doubts. There's doubts. The great hindrance. The five hindrances. One of them is doubt. Is it really true what the Buddha is saying? 
Is it really true what Eckhart Tolle is saying? Is it really true that we can notice the noticing and abide in that noticing and experience the end of suffering? Is it true? How can it be true? What is the noticing? It's so ethereal. It's so nothing. It's so, like, what qualities does it have? How can it be real? Doubt, doubt, doubt. So, you know, it takes, it takes real time to get skillful with that habit of noticing the noticing and realizing the great healing and the great peace that come, comes from familiarity with the stillness. A second story, beautiful story, from the Buddha's teachings, the story of Angulimala. And I think many of you have probably heard the story before, but Angulimala was a, um, he was a, a mass murderer at the time, living at the time of the Buddha. He was a highwayman. He would, he would um, catch people as they're um, going from village to village, murder them, take their money and their possessions. And that's, that, was his, that was what he did. He was very famous. And um, he had gotten to 999 kills. And he was looking for his 1,000th kill. And as the story goes, he decided, this is shocking, but he decided he was going to kill his own mother for the 1,000th. And the Buddha got wind of this. The Buddha's mind knew it. And so he, he went to Angulimala to try to prevent him from killing his own mother for his 1,000th kill. And so the Buddha enters the scene just as Angulimala is about to dispatch his mom. And when he sees this guru coming in, he decides to kill him instead. He'll take him as his thousands kill. And um, so the Buddha knows this is happening, and he starts to walk away from Angulimala. And as the story goes, Angulimala starts running after the Buddha, running while the Buddha is calmly walking. And Angulimala can't reach the Buddha. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> The Buddha's got that stillness while he's walking, totally. Um, he called, the story goes like this. He says he called for the Buddha to stop. Stop, 